John chapter 21. Would you go with me this morning? John 21. We come to the last, no cheering, please, the last message in our series of studies in John's gospel. I told you last week that, uh, that I, that we were likely going to finish this Sunday, um, with message 102 in, in our series in John's gospel. And if it's any encouragement at all, I know of others who have preached through John's gospel and have preached far more sermons than I have. So I know that seems like a lot, doesn't it? 102. That's over two years of, um, of trekking together through the gospel of John. And I, and I trust that it's been profitable uh, to you. It has been to me. I hope too, as we study through God's word together and as we study books together, I know that it's not possible for all of you. I'm not, um, I'm not totally clueless. I know it's not possible for all of you, but, but I hope those of you who make this area your, your year-round home, you, you, this compels you to be here every Sunday to hear the Word of God, to hear what God has for us next in, in His Word. It's so necessary for us to, to travel together, to study together, to be changed together as God's church as we study His Word together. Our last time here in this 21st chapter last week, we noticed that it was mainly about this exchange between Jesus and Peter, and, and that hasn't changed in the last half of uh, this chapter 21 that we're going to be looking at this morning. This 21st chapter is mainly about that exchange between Jesus and Peter. And, of course, we know Peter as the one who denied Jesus three times. But early on here in chapter 21, we noted it last time, there's this gracious uh, appearance of Jesus to the disciples. They were out on uh, the lake fishing, on the sea fishing, and he calls to them and, and shows them where, where to catch the fish that they've been struggling to find all night. And then John recognizes it's the Lord, and he says, it's the Lord. And Peter, impetuous Peter, throws on, puts on more clothing, jumps in the water to go see his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He cannot wait for the boat to be drawn to shore. He has to see him now. And, and I love that picture of Peter because it's a picture of a heart that has changed. Peter's heart has changed. He is no longer the Peter who denied his Savior three times. Now he's the Peter who wants to honor the Lord. We joked about it last time. Who puts on more clothes before they jump in the water, right? Usually you take a couple of layers off before you jump in the water and get all wet. But not Peter. He wanted to honor his Lord. I think he wanted to be decent even if he was completely soaked. He wanted to jump in the water and go see Jesus. He puts on his outer garment and he goes to see Jesus and he gets there before anybody else. And Jesus has some precious words for him there, and we noted them last week. Today in the text, I want you to note something else. I want you to see what God desires of his people. I think we can see it clearly in the text this morning. What does God desire of his people? What was it that that the Lord wanted of Peter? What is it that the Lord wants of us? What does God desire to be true of those who choose to follow Christ? What, uh, What is it that God desires of us? Let's find out as the text unfolds. Uh, look with me at chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. Verse 15, John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. In verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And verse 19 tells us this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20 says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? And then in verses 24 and 25, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what does the Lord desire of those who choose to follow him? That is a worthy question. Because following Christ isn't something to be taken lightly. And what we find, I think, is there's this powerful conversation that comes after breakfast, this, this after-breakfast conversation. And in that conversation, I think what we find is very instructive about the heart of God and what he desires of his followers. I want you to note something first. First of all, I think we can see this, that the Lord desires devoted followers. The Lord's desire for us, and you say, well, that's obvious. You know, the Word talks about that, and, and God's Word makes that plain. I think it's plain here also. Know this, uh, beloved, uh, those who love the Lord, the Lord wants you to be devoted to Him. He wants you to love Him. We get a glimpse of this when Jesus asked Peter in verse 15, do you love me more than these? First of all, Jesus asked Peter, if he loves him, note that. He, he says, do you love me? Now the word here which Jesus uses in the original language is the word that we know of as agape, agape love. It's uh, the kind of love, it's the, one of the highest forms of love. It's the highest form of love we know of from the New Testament. And we could say that this kind of love is a spiritual love in nature. It is a deep kind of love, deep from the heart. Not one based on feelings, but one that's based on a deep commitment and devotion, agape love. But Jesus says, not only do you love me, but he also says, do you love me more than these? 
Now, almost every commentator that I look to says there's three options here. What does Jesus mean when he says, do you love me more than these? What does Jesus mean by that? It could be he means, do you love me more than these friends of yours, these other disciples? could be that. It could be that he means, do you love me more than these things? Because they were just out fishing, and no doubt, you know, Peter's got the boat, and they've got all the gear that goes with the fishing, the nets and things. Do you love me more than these things? That's also a possibility. But I think it's the third possibility that, that Jesus was talking about. I think it's more likely, do you love me more than these other disciples do? I think the context helps us see that. Do you love me more than these other disciples do? And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. And, and what he's pointing to, and what he's trying to get to the heart of, is the devotion of Peter's heart. Where's your heart, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these other disciples do? Where's your heart, Peter? Do you really love me? Now, certainly Jesus isn't suggesting that there should be some kind of contest between believers to see who can love Jesus more, right? Oh, no, I love Jesus more than you do. Oh, no, you, I love Jesus more than you. No, that's not what Jesus is pointing at. I think Jesus is giving a caution to Peter here to take account of how weak he is to back up his own good intentions. You know, Peter has good intentions, right? And we've seen it uh, in John's Gospel. We know it from the other Gospels. Peter has such great intentions. He's so verbal. He's so vocal. He's so bold. He, he boasts quickly of his own devotion. But I think what Jesus is doing here is he's giving a caution to Peter to take account of how weak he really is to back up his own good intentions. You may have good intentions, Peter, but you are weak in and of yourself. Do you know that yet? I think that's what Jesus is asking Peter here. So let's get to the heart of the matter, Peter. Do you love me? Forget about what you say you're going to do. Forget about what you think you're going to do. What's the bottom of the matter? Do you love me? Are you devoted to me? Are you going to follow me? And we see it here three times. Jesus says it three times. Jesus asks Peter three times, and three times Peter answers, and his answer gives evidence that he's learned not to trust in his own strength. I love Peter's answer here. Uh, there, there will be commentators who point out the fact that Peter used a different word for the, for the word love that Jesus used, and it was more, more based on feelings. Yes, I feel strongly about you. Some people made, made a big deal about the fact that Jesus used the word for agape, love, Peter used the word for a love that's more based on his strong feelings. And yet, what we find throughout John's gospel is that John often uses them interchangeably. So I don't think there's much to be given to that idea that, that there's a big difference here and, and we ought to, you know, shame on you, Peter, for not having the same kind of devotion Jesus was asking about. I think what Jesus is getting at is, Peter, where's your heart? Do you love me? And Peter cautiously says, he uses a different word for love. He doesn't want to use the strong word for love that Jesus is using, in fact. And I think that's notable. He says, I love you. I feel strongly about my love for you. I, I love you. And Jesus asks him again, do you love me? He says, yes, I, I love you. And Jesus asked him a third time. And Peter's kind of getting frustrated because Jesus asked him a third time the exact same question, do you love me? But again and again, Peter just simply states, I love you, Lord. And then this third time, he points to God's knowledge. He knows the Lord knows everything. Peter learned that the hard way, didn't he? 
Remember when he boasted, I'll go to you to the death. I'll go with you to the death. Jesus says, you, you be careful there because you will deny me three times before the cock crows. Peter was bold, bold right up to that point, and then Jesus was taken and, and the disciples scattered and Peter found himself denying his Lord and Savior three times, just just as Jesus warned him he would. Peter had denied Jesus three times, but oh, I wonder if Peter's heart was broken. I have a feeling Peter's heart was broken after that. You know the feeling? Do you know what I mean? When you've sinned against the Lord and you realize you've sinned and, and your heart's broken, and you say, how, how could I have done that? I can imagine Peter saying that. What's wrong with me? Why do I keep sinning against my Lord? Why did I do that? You ever feel that way? I think that's how Peter felt. He was brokenhearted, I believe, after he denied, not long after. He denied his Lord and he saw him and he saw, his Lord saw him. I think his heart was broken probably frustrated with himself. And here's Jesus now giving him an opportunity. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, Lord, you know I love you. You know my heart. What a precious scene. What a precious opportunity the Lord has given Peter graciously Graciously accepting him, graciously giving him an opportunity, returning him to fellowship, graciously restoring him to service. Oh, how gracious the Lord is. Are you thankful for the Lord's grace and mercy in your life? How gracious God is. Peter denied him three times, but now he has three opportunities to affirm his devotion to Christ, and he does. And I think Peter shows his heartfelt, heartfelt devotion as he simply, he just simply declares his love. He doesn't make any over-the-top statements. I'll go with you all the way. He learned that the hard way, not to, not to say things like that anymore. He simply said, I love you, Lord. And then, you know my heart. You know. You know my heart. I think we especially see it there in that third reply that, that Peter has learned his own weakness. Look at verse 17 where John tells us Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Peter wisely yields to the Lord's knowledge of all things, doesn't he? He wisely yields. I think he's learned. And how weak we all are, I think I think we can see ourselves in Peter at times, right? How weak we all are, to, to carry out our own good intentions. I trust that, that you have good intentions to serve the Lord. You desire to serve the Lord faithfully. But how weak we are in our own strength to do what we say we're going to do, to, to faithfully follow Christ every day. And after Jesus had warned Peter, because Peter had boldly declared his unfailing devotion, and then, just like Jesus said he would, he went and denied Christ three times. I think Peter has learned. 
He's got to trust the Lord. He's got to walk by faith. He cannot walk in his own strength. He cannot declare his his over-the-top devotion to Christ, his, his own good intentions, and be able to carry them out without fail. How weak we all are to carry out our own good intentions. But note that I said that what the Lord desires is devoted followers. You realize that? The Lord desires devoted followers. I did not say the Lord desires perfect followers. Because the Lord often uses the failures of his followers to teach them to trust him more. You realize that? The, the failures that you face in your own life when you fail to serve the Lord as you, as you intend, when you fail to obey him as faithfully as you intend, God often uses your weaknesses, he often uses your failures to bring you to the point where you will submit to his authority in your life and you will follow him faithfully. He often will use your weaknesses and mine to get our attention that we are not infallible, that we are not strong in and of ourselves. We are only strong when we operate with the strength of the Lord. So the question isn't, are you perfect yet? No, the question is, are you devoted to Christ? That's my question to you. I think it's the question that God's asking of us today. Are you devoted? He's not asking you if you're perfect. The answer is, obviously, I'm sorry to tell you, it's no, right? You're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And we do fail the Lord. But the Lord wants to know if you're devoted. Do you love him? Do you desire to follow him? Do you desire to obey him? Where's your heart? Will you follow him? Will you obey him? Will you turn again to obedience when you do fail him? Will you repent and say, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. Oh, help me to follow you, right? You see where the, where there is truly love for Christ, I believe there is life. Where there is a heart that truly loves the Lord, I believe there is growth. I believe there is spiritual life. And I think God's word points us to that again and again. Where there is obedience, where there is love for the Lord, there is life, there's spiritual life. Where there is a true love for the Lord Jesus Christ, there is progress, there is a growing up in your faith. But always growing up. Never reaching full maturity, but that's okay. Because there will be a day when we will be like him. Yes? And we look forward to that day, knowing that it's not going to come this side of heaven. But we look forward to the day when we will be like Christ. We will be done with sin. And yes, the Lord knows your heart too. Just as the Lord knew Peter's heart and knew that Peter did love him, so he commissions Peter to feed his lambs. He says, feed my sheep. I think that shows us a second thing the Lord desires of his followers. What is it the Lord desires of those who choose to follow him? I think he desires that, that his followers feed on his word. Feed on his word. Jesus is restoring Peter to service. And in so doing, he points to the primary responsibility of the one who leads God's flock. Do you know what that is? The primary responsibility of the one who leads God's flock. It's the role of the one who we might call pastor and teacher or the, or the preaching pastor, the one, the pastor who preaches and teaches. That primary role of that individual in any congregation of followers of Christ is to feed the word to God's flock. 
to feed the word to God's lambs, to God's sheep. Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, three times. (laughs) I think it's an indicator of the importance of the teaching and preaching of God's word amongst those who say, we're followers of Christ and this is a church. (laughs) Because there are places in our culture that call themselves churches but don't teach and preach God's word. We ought not be one of them. If we are going to be a church that honors and glorifies God, we need to be a place where God's lambs come together and the one who is given that task of teaching and preaching feeds the word to God's lambs. Because God has prepared spiritual food for us in his word. And God's shepherd had better feed God's sheep with the food that God has prepared. And a steady diet of the word as we study through, even as we finish the Gospel of John this morning, as we study through books of the Bible together, I believe a steady diet of the word, even as we study through whole books of the Bible together, that is what is most necessary for us as a church as we as we come along together and grow up together in Christ, seeing what God has put in his word for us to feed on and live by and grow on. It is a much more balanced diet. It's one of the reasons I have predominantly, in the years that I have been here as your pastor, is one of the reasons I have predominantly taught book by book through God's word. We pick a book and we study it together, even if it takes a couple of years, right? I think that is absolutely necessary for the true growth and health of the church. Now, not every pastor on earth sees it that way, but there are many who have gone before me who have preached that way deliberately for years and seen the growth and health of the church growing and vibrant because this is what we need. We need to study the Word together. We need to see what God has put for us in His Word. I mean, think about a responsible parent. What does a responsible parent do at dinner time? Now, if you didn't do this, you're, you're probably thinking you're going you're saying I'm not responsible, right? But we know generally speaking, what does a responsible parent do with their youngsters, their little ones at dinner time? They, they give them a balanced diet, right? They give them the food that they need. Now, I know in our family, and it's true even with me, I would rather have dessert than, than peas. So, you know, peas. The other day I was eating broccoli and cauliflower for lunch. I mean, that's really lame. And it's a lot of work. I I couldn't believe how much I was going to, am I ever going to finish chewing this broccoli and cauliflower? This is delicious, really. Trust me. I want my cake, right? I want my pie. I want my cookies. But we need the broccoli and the cauliflower. And it's one of the reasons I think that we are, we are so blessed when we study through books of the Bible together because if it were up to us, we'd go looking all over the Bible for the cake. <laughs> Let's go find the pie and the cookies that, that God put for us there. But when we study verse by verse through a book of the Bible, we find the broccoli and the cauliflower and the peas. You know, like a responsible parent feeds their children and says, you know, eat those first and then you can have your cake, right? Well, that's one of the reasons that I've found and I believe that we are blessed as we study God's Word together in this way, as we study book by book through the Bible together, because God has hidden wonderful truths. And I, and I use that term very loosely, hidden. He's not hidden them there that we can't find them. 
but he's put put wonderful words in his in uh, wonderful truths in his word and so often we won't find them if we aren't reading through the books of the bible studying through the books of the bible together that's one of the other reasons that we study as we do when i choose a book of the bible and preach through it I, one of the reasons it is i want you to learn how to read your bible i mean think about that how do you read your Bible? What, what are you inclined to do? I know how I'm inclined to read my Bible. I'm inclined to go search for that thing that I know will help me right now. <laughs> What's that thing I remember from, uh, from so many years ago? I'm going to search and find it because that's what I need. But do you realize that God has put wonderful truths in his word that as we study verse by verse through the Bible, we come upon, upon things that we weren't looking for, but God wanted us to find and he knows what we're going to need. And we might be looking for what we need for today and this moment, but he's trying to prepare us for tomorrow that we don't know about. And when we study verse by verse through books of the Bible together, we find all these things that God put here that we wouldn't necessarily come to. Those aren't very palatable. That's not very enjoyable. That doesn't taste very good. But God wants our attention, and he wants to equip us and prepare us for the things that we don't even know are coming. So when we're finished with John's gospel, we're going to take a, a break. I, uh, we've got a couple of weeks here before I'm going to go and take a couple of weeks of vacation. So sometime after that, we're going to come back to a, uh, another book study again. But maybe in between there, we're going to do a study, a briefer study, a topical study. Uh, we will likely do that. But I, uh, I promise you, sooner, sooner than later, we'll come back and we'll do another study of God's word in a book that God has given us wonderful truths to behold. I think it's incredibly important here that Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, three times. Each time is prefaced by that question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time. And I think it's a reminder to us, I think it's a challenge to us that, that I think a genuine love for the Lord will lead us to the word of truth. I have a, a little bit of problem with someone who says, I love the Lord, but I just don't read my Bible. <laughs> I, do you really love the Lord? I think that's the challenge. Can you say confidently, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you, but I don't have time for your word. Now, I'm not su uh, suggesting that we're, we're perfect in this either, Right? And we struggle to be faithful to read and study and apply God's word to our lives because we live in a culture that is busy, 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 right? All you have to do is go down state for a couple of days and come back and you can see the difference. But even here, it's busy, right? It's busy. Things are crazy. Our lives, uh, this, this week as we've been preparing for vacation Bible school, we felt the stress, the pressure, yes, of preparing, of being busy. And it is so easy to let God's word slide. But I don't think you can slide far from God's word without feeling strongly that you need to get back there soon if you really love the Lord. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The sheep need to be fed. But also there's another truth here. The sheep need to eat. <laughs> you know, you're speaking uh, as your pastor. I can come and feed you, but you have to eat. I can put the food out but you have to take it. You have to eat it. You have to want it. I wonder sometimes if we really want the food that God has prepared for us in his word. 
Oh, I so desire that we come together, and when we do, we want to eat of the truths that God has given us. Not my clever words, not, not the words that I, that I prepare to say to you, but the words that God has spoken. And, and by, in some small way, maybe the things that I say might direct you to those truths in His words so that you will pay attention to what God is saying. And you will say, I must do that. I must obey. Peter's supposed to feed the sheep. The pastor, the teacher, the preaching pastor is supposed to feed the sheep, but the sheep have to want to eat. Let me just challenge you with that and encourage you with that. I, I hope you don't hear me chewing you out. I hope you hear me encouraging you. Come with an appetite to hear the truth, to believe the truth, to apply the truth of God's Word in your life. And I trust that as feeble as I am, as feeble as my words are, God's Word will speak to you where you need to be spoken to. And that points to the third thing the Lord desires of His followers. The Lord desires that His followers obey His Word. The Lord desires that His followers obey His Word. God's Word believed will lead to obedience. Do you believe God's Word? It will show in whether you believe, whether you obey. I mean, again, God knows our hearts, right? And we can say, I believe it. I believe that's what God, I believe in God's Word. I believe in the authority of Scriptures. But how often we find ourselves doing something else than what God's Word says. Easily so, isn't it? God's Word believed, truly believed, will lead to obedience. And the more we mature in Christ, guided by God's Word, I think the higher our standard of conduct for our own lives becomes. And I'm not suggesting that we become a bunch of list-making rule keepers especially when it comes to making and making others keep our lists of rules. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe that if you love God's Word, and if you love the Lord, and you believe His Word, it will lead to obedience. And as you obey, your life will, will mature. You will grow up in Christ, and you will find that you have a, st- a higher standard of conduct for yourself now than you did before based on the truths of God's Word, not based on the culture or the world that you live in, based on the truths that God is teaching and and encouraging you and correcting your life with, because obedience that comes from the heart that understands that much has been forgiven by God wants to obey, wants to glorify God, wants to be changed and become more Christ-like. Do you realize how much you've been forgiven? I think that's where Peter had come. Because Peter is being challenged by Christ. And that's one of the reasons I think that Jesus was saying, do you love me more than these other disciples do? I don't think Jesus was trying to say, you've got to love me more than they do. But I think he wanted to see if Peter was going to say, oh yeah, I love you far more than they do. Peter didn't say that. But God was working in his heart. And he had come to the point where he had yielded himself to the Father's will. And he knew that the Lord knew his heart. And so he graciously declares his love for the Lord. And I think that, that he realized how much he had grieved the Lord when he betrayed him by denying him three times. And that grieved Peter's heart. And then the grace and mercy of Jesus to accept him and forgive him and, and place him back in fellowship. And I think Peter came to the point where he realized, I have been forgiven so much. 
I, he looked at the other disciples, I think, and he thought, I'm the worst one. He's not the one now saying, oh yeah, I'll go even to the death. Now he's saying, no, I'm the worst of all them. I'm, I'm a worse sinner than all of them. I, I, I've sinned against you, Lord. But yet I know your forgiveness. And I know how much I've been forgiven. How can I not obey? How can I not have a desire to please you with my life? That's why I say, God's word believed will, will lead to obedience. Because when you believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you and how much you've been forgiven, you will long to have it said of you how Christ-honoring, how obedient. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's an attitude that says, if God loves me so much, how can I not seek to honor him with my life by my obedience to his word? I think we can see it here as Jesus tells Peter, look at verses 18 and 19. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And we're like, what in the world is this about? (laughs) Is he going to get handicapped? No. Well, I don't know if he was handicapped, but this is talking about how he was going to die. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he would, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is right after the question of Peter's love for Christ has been settled. Peter had said, you know all things. You know my heart, Lord. And then what Jesus says here in these verses 18 and 19, I think is an acknowledgement by the Lord of Peter's love for him, which will lead him to obey all the way to his death. Even as Peter ignorantly declared earlier, I'll go with you, Christ, all the way to death. Later he went humbly. He was humble before the Lord. He was obedient. Tradition holds that Peter was crucified, hung on a cross upside down. And I think that's what Jesus is pointing to. I think he's pointing to this death of crucifixion as he says, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you and where you go, to take you places you don't want to go. That that act of stretching out the, the hands or stretching out the limbs, that was common to stretch out the limbs, to fix them to the cross before that person was made to carry that cross to the place where they would be crucified. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. In a way, he's, he's giving Peter a gracious forewarning. And verse 19 makes it clear, I think, that he's talking about Jesus, that Peter's death, that he said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And I think that's a remarkable statement there. Do you ever think about that? He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. We don't think of death as being an opportunity to bring glory to God, do we? I mean, we often talk about, won't that be the day when we get to heaven? But we don't think about much before that, bringing glory to God. We think about God giving glory to us when we get to heaven. But what about bringing glory to God before we get there? You see, the word would prepare Peter 
the word of God would prepare his heart. And he would go, if tradition is correct, he would go to the cross and be crucified like his Savior, except upside down. And he would do so willingly because his heart was in the right place. He loved the Lord. And he went humbly. No more boasting on Peter's part. The word would prepare Peter. The Lord would continue maturing Peter and preparing him for that difficult season in his walk with Christ. Peter certainly failed the Lord early on, didn't he? But later, Peter would stand with Christ to the end. He had denied the Lord earlier, but had the Lord not allowed him to fail then, we don't know whether Peter would have come to the point of maturity ever. It's because God uses our weaknesses often to get our attention about how weak we are and how much we truly need him. He may have never fully learned to trust the Lord and walk by faith and obedience to his word had the Lord not allowed him to fail. In the final verses of John's gospel, he closes by dispelling a rumor. It was one that had grown from what Jesus said to Peter when he looked back and saw John and wondered, what about him? (laughs) You just told me about my death. What about him? What about John? And so we see Peter's not quite there yet, totally there. He's much better, but still he's looking at others, right? Jesus' answer is one that we all need to hear as we too tend to look around and wonder about others. You know what I mean? Whether we wonder about others who seem to be especially blessed by the Lord or we wonder about others who who seem to be far from the Lord and we're concerned about them spiritually. And sometimes we can spend too much time looking at others. Don't get me wrong, we do need to be concerned about others, and we do need to share the love of Christ with others, and we do need to be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ and their spiritual growth. We ought to be here to challenge and encourage. I trust that you have someone in your life, a a godly person in your life, who's willing to challenge you when you're far from the Lord and encourage you to come back to Christ. We need that. But sometimes we can spend too much time looking and trying to tend to others and we neglect our own spiritual lives. Jesus had just said to Peter, follow me. But Peter looks back and he looks at John and he wonders about him. And Jesus tells him, don't worry about him. Don't worry about John. Verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I love that. That's a reminder I need. I think it's one we all need. Some thought this meant John would live until the Lord's return, but that was not what Jesus meant. That was not the point. The point was, verse 23, if it is my will that he remain until I come, the point is, what is that to you? Does it mean we ought not care about one another? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, but we do need to tend to our own spiritual lives, don't we? Just as we hear from Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We have that wonderful reminder from God's word. Yes, we are to be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to try to be at peace with the world. But as far as it depends upon you, that may not be possible. You could be doing all the right things and you may still not be at peace with everyone around you. 
The Lord Jesus Christ says, but you follow me. And this is the work of God's word. It's the work of his spirit in his lambs. His word and spirit will prepare us for future faithful obedience. I believe God's word and spirit prepared Peter to die with grace. His life being taken from him because of the gospel, because he preached and proclaimed the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe God equipped him for that. And I believe God is all about equipping you and me with his word and his spirit to do similar, maybe maybe we won't be called to go to to our death for Christ, but to do similar acts of bravery for Jesus Christ in in a culture that has gone mad. We need not worry about what the future holds. And we ought not be consumed with where others are with, with Christ while ignoring our own hearts. We trust in the Lord. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ expects of us. Will we obey him? And if you obey him, it means you trust in him and you believe in his word because I believe that believe and that trust will lead to obedience. Maybe if you're struggling with obedience, you need to go back to the beginning and say, do I really believe in God's word? Do I really trust he's in control? And the the, the experiences that I face, whether I like them or not, his hands are on those. And he is dealing with me and growing me to deal with those in a Christ-honoring, God-glorifying way. So Jesus says to us, as he did Peter, follow me. Follow me. You follow me. And John ends with this reminder in verse 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I think we can praise God for the evidence that has been clearly presented in this gospel. I think we can praise God for John, for, for God's inspiring John to pen the things that he did write. He didn't tell us everything, obviously, but he told us what we needed to hear. He told us what the Spirit wanted us to hear. Inspired by God, John pens these things and, and how overwhelming the evidence clearly presenting this gospel, in this gospel, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. That he came and lived and he breathed the air we breathed and he drank the water we drank and he ate the food we ate. But he, but he was sinless. And he went to the cross and he was crucified and he bled and he died and he took the sins on his own shoulders. And all who believe in him will have life everlasting, will be forgiven their sins. And John has told us all these things in this gospel so that we might see and believe. And moved along by the Holy Spirit and inspired by God, John has written all these things so that we would know that this is God's Son. That we would look to Him. That we would believe. That we would be saved from our sins, forgiven, washed clean, made new, new life in Christ. And that we would follow Him. That we would follow.